Recording. All right. Well. Recording in progress. Take two. And we are recording with Dr. Maccus on Wednesday, August 9th, 2023 at 2.40 p.m. Eastern Time. For everybody watching and listening, I just had something that is, I, th I think has only ever happened on here once before where it doesn't connect to the Rumble server and it makes me look like a bumbling idiot as I sit here and tell the guest how I've done 1,300 episodes and I'm pretty good at this and then I do the equivalent of getting on a bicycle with training wheels and falling on my face and knocking both my teeth out. So uh, with that less than professional be uh, beginning, Dr. Magus, please introduce yourself, sir. Thank you very much for having me. I'm a Canadian uh, physician, uh, radiologist, oncologist, uh, with a background in immunology. And um, last couple of years, I've been basically pounding the table uh, about the COVID vaccines, vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, and that kind of stuff. Awesome. And as I was just telling you beforehand, when I was posting the live link, I now have to post a new live link because obviously the last one didn't work. But so what what would you say now so it's so what it's august 9th 2023 where you know we've we've everyone's aware of of the meme you know what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and news it's you know it's 12 to 18 months yeah hardy har har yeah i get it you know i find it less funny because i was permanently banned from youtube and itunes and reddit and it took a massive hit on the income of this show so i'd find the memes less funny and more infuriating but now that we are kind of where we are now and we've seen that there are still ongoing problems with shots and with injuries and with origins, right? It is no longer a xenophobic, jingoistic cry to war to say that this came from a lab. Now it's like, well, uh, of course we do. It came from a lab. But no one's allowed to say that until the almighty hand of the state comes down and says, you may now hold this opinion. Um, on that, what are some things that you have been pounding your fists on the table about that maybe haven't been started to be reckoned it's still the overton window still hasn't shifted to say all right so these things are causing heart attacks or myocarditis or you know foot-long blood clots that look like a prop from an alien movie what what things have you been yelling about that still haven't been shifted into the normal i guess light of discourse well, there's still a lot. Um, you know, I'm really against uh, vaccinating kids with these things, uh, vaccinating pregnant women with these things. I mean, it should be taken off the market. You know, if you're if you're an adult and you want to take an experimental uh, injection and the it. powers that be have approved it, then then by all means, go you on. know, yeah. have at it. Right. Yeah. I mean, go to town. But, uh, you know, the fact that the, uh, we're still giving these uh, these experimental shots to kids, let's say high school kids who are then dropping dead in class with heart attacks and strokes and brain bleeds, athletes, high school athletes that are collapsing on the field, um, you know, collapsing at track meets or hockey games and so on. The fact that they were, we're, we're still giving these shots to these healthy young kids and pretending that they're perfectly safe and that all these sudden deaths are random and have nothing to do with the shots uh you know that frustrates me the most same thing with the pregnant women like here in alberta canada they're saying you know uh if if you're pregnant take the shot at any time take it first trimester second trimester third trimester and i can show you congenital malformations um of babies if you take the shots in the first trimester i can show you 
miscarriages. Uh, I can show you fetuses that stop growing within 24 hours of the mother taking Pfizer or Moderna. Um, I can show you, and not one or two, you know, these are not one in a million cases. I can show you dozens at a time. And the fact that we're still pretending that this is okay and that all this damage that's being done, you know, is is random and not related, uh, that still blows my mind that we're still we're still in this place. It's almost like we're, we're people are living in two different realities, right? We've got the group that see what's going on and are like, what the hell? Get these shots off the market and, uh, you know, let's at least investigate these sudden deaths. And then you've got another group that's living in an alternate reality where it's like none of this is happening and it's all random and it's always happened before. There's so many odd uh, historical precedences that if you if you just glanced at you wouldn't see a similarity to but the more you can d dig under under the surface you start to see common themes and i don't even necessarily mean with with vaccines um there's a great book i love called blitzed by norman oler i've had i, I used i had him on had him on here right when i started the show it's a uh, drug use in the third reich and it's fascinating right it's the it's the use of um like um pill form crystal methamphetamine called pervitin and it was used during the Blitzkrieg, and then uh, and then Hitler started using something called the Eucadol, which I think was like a precursor to Vicodin or something. But the point is, is you can see how drugs influence the higher up. I think Goering was addicted to morphine, and at, at first you go, yeah, well it's helping them, right? They they take down Poland in like what seventy two hours, like wild stuff. But as the war progresses. And Hitler falls more and more into this cocoon. He had a doctor named uh, Dr. Tador Morell, who I don't even think was a real doctor, just injecting him with stuff every day. And you can find, like, his daily routine. And it, if you didn't, if it wasn't in German and from, like, a World War II museum, you'd think it was, like, Keith Richards or Hunter S. Thompson. It's wild stuff. Like, he, wait, well, he wakes up with, with doses that would kill you and I. But my point of all of this is, as he went deeper and deeper into this drug-induced psychosis and then and then literally went deeper and deeper into the Fuhrer bunker he would stop he would stop listening to any generals that said anything that went against what he thought was going on and then it goes one step further some generals said that it was so stressful to go in and talk to Hitler that they would go to Dr. Morell like outside the conference room and be like like dog you got to hit me up and right, so they give them a shot, and so they'd get jacked up, and they'd go in, and they'd start to almost see what Hitler saw. Mm -hmm. My my point is, is with all of this, is is it, it's it's symbolic of when there is no outside needle piercing your your zone of unreality, you can keep going on because what do they feel? They're in a bunker under thirty feet of cement. If I say we're taking Russia tomorrow then we're taking Russia tomorrow. It doesn't matter that we've just lost a million soldiers at Stalingrad. But in the outside world, reality is going unchecked. Reality does not care. Artillery shells do not care about what your drug-induced psychosis is showing. And it eventually it comes to the doorstep and Hitler shoots himself and they lose the war. But I can't help but feel we're still in this weird... Like there are still colleges mandating the shots this fall. And it's, yeah. if no one's going to pierce their zone of unreality, and that's a line from the book, a, a zone of unreality, if no one's going to pierce it, then why would they stop demanding people take these shots? But on the outside, 
we're seeing the equivalent of the soldiers dying at Stalingrad or Leningrad. It's the young people dropping dead. But if you bring it up, you're piercing the zone of unreality. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's very interesting because I'm seeing this, what you just described, I'm seeing it in the, uh, the medical field, right? <clears throat> so I'll look at, I'll look at all the doctors, the MDs posting stuff online. They're like, yeah, get your, you know, get your, uh, fall booster shot, COVID booster shot as soon as possible and, and, and all this stuff. And it's like, there are literally thousands of people online. Let's, let's just take Twitter, right? There's literally thousands of people on Twitter posting daily. I've lost, you know, my family member, I've lost my son, I've lost my dad, they're posting photos, they're posting obituaries, like you cannot go on Twitter, and even just accidentally not run into hundreds, if not thousands of, of these sudden deaths of young people who were perfectly healthy. And all that happened was they took a shot, or several shots, and now they're dead, or they've got end stage cancer, right. And so these doctors are just coming on. And they're just pretending like there's no damage uh, you know, there's no myocarditis, there's no, uh, like people are not dropping that left and right. And they're just pushing the shots as they did before, like as if nothing's happened over the last two and a half years. Right. Mm -hmm. And you also see this, uh, with people who are, uh, kind of strongly politically aligned. Um, so, you know, in Canada, you will see people who are strong, like liberal supporters or NDP supporters. That's another leftist party, uh, they'll basically they'll be obsessed with the shots and they'll have this whole anti-vaxxer thing and and if you if you go against the narrative in any way you're a far right far right conspiracy theorist anti-vaxxer white supremacist misogynist racist you name it right and and it's and and you sort of go through their posts and and you realize like they're not playing they're not acting they actually believe this mm. stuff like they're immersed in this uh like you said in this sort of unreal world or, or, you know, that they just can't seem to even fathom that, let's say anything that I might be posting is even remotely correct. They're basically saying that I'm crazy, that I'm, uh, you know, a, a total lunatic conspiracy theorist, what have you, just because I'm raising concerns about the shots, for example, right? So, so there's a lot of people that are so immersed in this narrative and this view and two and a half years later, like nothing's changed their mind. It's almost like <clears throat> was I think it was Solonichin, and I need I still haven't read Gulag Archipelago. I really need to, but I, I think there's a line from it where it's basically like, like you won't be able to convince the people that there's a Marxist revolution in their country until he has some line where no maybe it was Yuri Bezmenov, the KGB defector. I think it was him who was like. Like, they will not know until a booth hits their fat butt and the gulag doors close behind them. Right, but by the, yeah. Or, you know, and the, the other kind of more meme is, like, you vote yourself into socialism, you shoot yourself out. Yeah. There almost seems to be this thing where it's, it's, it's none of it's real until it's at the front door. And, like, I've, and it's, it's almost, <clears throat> it, it's more terrifying the true believers, right? And mm -hmm. I, I tried to, I really do try to understand it. Like, where is it coming from? Like, I graduated the University of Georgia in 2013. I was a biology major. I published research in aquatic toxicology. I scored in the top four percentile in the MCAT. I got into medical school at the University of Miami. I got into pharmacy school. I ultimately decided not to go for personal reasons, just wasn't happy. But I still, 
I can still feel like a certain like love for it. I, I loved everything about it. I loved volunteering at the hospital. I loved the white coat. I loved putting on the gloves. I loved like the face mask. It just, it was all so high tech and the, and the sterilized rooms. Like I just absolutely fell for it. Even if, you know, my job was going through the cabinets and making sure none of the, the vials were, you know, expired. I just loved everything from the fluorescent lighting to like the clean floors. Like I just fell in love with medicine and, it, and I, I still have, like I can still feel like the butterflies. Like oh, it really is just the coolest. And, um, you know, I decided not to go and it's been 10 years, but I can imagine if I had dedicated my life to it, there are a lot of guys that I was friends with same college class. Some even went to the same medical school. I mean, four years of med school. So they all finished, I think spring 2018, a lot of them are still finishing up residency right now. I can imagine if you were to dedicate your whole life to it, there would probably be a certain level of difficulty in saying that something's wrong or that the science is not settled. You know, the the mother crying at the you know, the death row, the the sentencing of like a murder. Some guy could kill 50 people. The, you'll, there'll never not be a mother there saying, don't kill my baby, right? And in, to a degree, it's beautiful. Do you think there's something to do with that? Because that's what gets me, is is the doctor still going along with it. What yeah. What do you <clears throat> think about And again, legally, I should say, this is all wild speculation. What do you think is, is that? Yeah, you know, I've been trying to think back to, to my medical school days, and what you describe, like, you know, the love of medicine, I kind of went through the same thing. I started volunteering at a hospital in downtown Toronto when I was like 17. Yeah. And basically, I was pushing cart with with drugs, yeah, yeah. you know, to all the different departments. I was, you know, delivering x-rays. I was, uh, you know, logistics assistant, right? I was delivering patients to their uh, uh, places where they had to go. So and I had that same love of medicine. And I was thinking about it, you know, because like we all went through like i went to uh med school in uh, mcgill university in montreal which was considered one of the top you know medical schools uh i guess top medical school in canada with university of toronto they always fought for the first two places and i thought well you know i mean i was trained to basically you know be sort of honest ethical to not be sort of a, a drug pusher to not be pushing any particular pharmaceutical company or product you know, we were taught to really be kind of uh, ethical in that sense. And so I thought, well, where, where is this coming from? Why are so many doctors uh, willing to lay everything on the line to push this one product to protect this one company, whether Pfizer or Moderna or AstraZeneca, whatever, and to like literally go all in, right? Like no matter what, at, at, at any cost, why are so many doctors willing to do that? And I don't think it's coming out of the training, out of the the med school training, because I have the same training and I didn't have that, right? Like I don't I don't have that sort of desire to protect a pharmaceutical company, right? Or push a product that is clearly toxic and has tons of adverse events, but but you're blindly pushing it at all costs. So it's gotta be coming from somewhere else. And I realized that after I graduated med school, that uh, at least for the first few years, I implicitly trusted all the medical associations, all the medical institutions, the entire hierarchy of medicine, I, I trusted. I trusted the journals, you know, Nature, Lancet, J JAMA, 
I trusted that, you know, those journals were behaving ethically and publishing, you know, research ethically and so on. I trusted the medical boards, the medical colleges. I trusted the medical associations that put out the various guidelines and recommendations. And, and over time, I ran into a bit of corruption uh, in medicine. And you think, okay, well, you know, there's corruption everywhere, a little bit of corruption, right? There's always the, some bad apples. Um, but I, I was so naive, I had no idea just how bad the corruption in medicine was. And as I got into some conflicts in my specialty, um, and I started seeing what these medical boards and associations were doing to me, for example, I realized like, whoa, like there is massive amounts of corruption in medicine that most doctors are simply not aware of. So I think it comes down to something like that is that unless you've experienced uh, something extraordinary as a doctor in medicine where you're like, okay, this system is completely rotten, completely corrupt, because they usually keep it under wraps. The lawyers paper over everything. Like the corruption in medicine usually doesn't get out, right? Even you look at something like Vioxx, uh, I mean, it took like a decade for, you know, the medical establishment to kind of accept that, yes, it was causing tens of thousands of heart attacks. What's Vioxx? And so Vioxx was a pain medication uh, that was widely used, uh, but it was causing heart attacks. Uh, and the pharmaceutical company knew about it, uh, tried to keep it under wraps, went after doctors who were speaking out about Vioxx. And it took, I don't know, something like a decade for the medical establishment to accept that, yes, tens of thousands of people ended up having heart attacks because of this drug and ended up pulling it off the market. But it took a while. Like it took it took a while to come to that realization. So, I mean, if your typical doctor is is not hasn't experienced that kind of corruption in medicine, they will trust the institutions. And And here's the thing is that, in my view, what was deliberate and what was brilliantly done, especially in Canada. I, I can't really speak that much for the United States because, of course, U.S. is much bigger, much more diverse than Canada. Um, but I can tell you in Canada, the, all the institutions and, and institutional leaders in medicine were captured very early on. So they, they either had people that they knew would be compliant from the beginning or they put them in ahead of time. But they hit the medical field very early on, and they hit it hard. And even before the vaccines rolled out, rolled out they had the colleges warning doctors, you cannot, uh, you cannot issue exemption letters for masks. You cannot issue, and then, of course, when the vaccines came out, doctors were forbidden for issuing, issuing um, exemption letters for vaccines. Uh, doctors were forbidden from prescribing ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. That had never happened before. But they hit the medical authorities early with the narrative. And they made sure that everyone across Canada was pushing the same narrative. And then I think the doctors probably didn't even realize what was going on. And then once this stuff starts trickling down from the medical associations and the colleges and the various health authorities, you believe it because why would they lie to you? Mm. And that kind of comes on to like another level of damage that's happening and it's it's once people finally do come to peace with or at the very least accept and acknowledge that you know there's been there's been some to put it i guess politely some goofiness in the last couple years well then the next natural question is is well what else have i been lied to about there's a 
there's a comedian I love named Duncan Trussell, and I remember listening to him years and years and years ago. And he's like, he's like, you know, you go to like Catholic, like I went, to, I went to private Catholic school, and he's like, you go up in these private Catholic schools, and they tell you, you know, you take one hit of marijuana, and you're gonna be robbing banks in a week, and it scares you. And then you finally get to college, and you rip a bong, and you, you know, you watch a stupid movie, and you wake up, and you feel fine, and you go, well, that that was BS. And then you go, well, what else were they lying about? They also said that you should never try meth, not even once. Well, they were they were right about that. But now you're 18 and you're going, well, they lied about that. They said marijuana was the devil. And I ate a bunch of cookies and fell asleep on a couch. So what's wrong with meth? Well, there is a lot wrong with meth. And I think we're going to see that is where you have people now who have been told no matter what, you do not question the, the high priests with the white coats. You do not question it. And now you have a friend that dropped dead or an uncle with pericarditis or Guillain-Barre syndrome or something. And now they're looking at you and you're going, well, why am I taking a multivitamin? Why do I need a tetanus shot? Yeah. And correctly, why wouldn't you start to question? If it's so egregious, it's one thing if they push the shot and I don't know, it turned your facial hair, you know, red you beam a ginger like you know my brother right oh they made me a ginger screw them it's not the worst thing in the world whatever some girls like it but it's not that it's heart attacks and in, in, in like young olympians yeah why would you not rightfully so start to say yeah you know what i have chest pain and it's going down my left arm and it looks like a heart attack but i'm not going to listen to uh, webmd why wouldn't you? Uh, my mom, her face is—it's uh, her face is drooping, and she's slurring her words. But why should I take her? Why it doesn't look like a stroke? They lied to me about this, and now I think is that's when you're going to start to see the real fallout of this: is people not going and getting legitimate help because, rightfully so, they were duped. Yeah, the thing is, is medicine relies a lot on trust. Yeah, right, and and it's like you've got someone. You know, I always think of it as, as you've got someone in a vulnerable, like a patient's in a vulnerable state, almost always, right? It's it's a vulnerable state. You know, there's something wrong with your health uh, and you don't know what to do. You can't, let's say, fix it yourself. You trust this trained individual, this trained doctor to to help you out in this vulnerable state and to do what's best for you, like to have your best interest in their heart, right? Like that takes trust. That takes a lot of trust. Right, that, that takes even potentially maybe even more trust than let's say trusting your priest or or what have you, right? Like 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 that's a serious serious trust, and and you know, as doctors, you know, we we sort of we we earn that trust by being ethical and by, you know, keeping up on our studies and continuing education and all that stuff. Um, and then something like this happens, uh, and where doctors just literally crap the bed. Right. For a lack of a better term. And and the trust is gone. Right. Like now you've got the doctors were pushing jabs that were clearly not safe. Forget the effectiveness. Right. But they were not safe. That was the key. Uh, people are getting harmed by the thousand. I mean, at this point, I think there's there's. Everybody has someone in their family who probably was either injured or, or killed by the shots. Right. I, I, I there's probably very few families at this point that haven't been impacted directly by the vaccines in one way or another. Even my family, there's been someone who's who's died, a young person, a doctor 
uh, who's died uh, from the shot. So um, once that trust is gone, like that, like you said, there's going to be so much collateral damage from that because when that trust is gone, now you're not going to trust your doctor for anything. If your doctor gave you a jab that caused miscarriage or that gave you a heart attack or stroke, man, you're not going to go to that doctor. You're not going to trust that doctor with anything. With regular childhood vaccinations, you're going to you're not going to trust them with, like you said, maybe you're having, you know, signs or symptoms like people are telling me that they're afraid. They're literally now afraid to go to their doctor. And it has to be something like they have to be on death's door to consider going to a doctor again because they're so afraid because that trust is completely gone. And, and, and that, I think, is going to be really bad for you know, the field of, of medicine. And, and I think, you know, that, I mean, we could lose that trust for a generation, mm. right? That, that is extremely difficult. If people are not, if people don't face consequences, and right now we've seen nobody face consequences for anything that's been done during the pandemic. Uh, and if no one faces any consequences, I don't, I don't see how medicine is going to get that trust back uh, until, you know, so much time passes that, that people forget and, and, and move on. But that trust is key, and I think we've lost it. Yeah, it it'll eventually come back, and you know, or it'll shift, right? Like it'll basically shift. Uh, with doctors have to come out and say, "Look, uh, the shots are toxic. I'm going to have a different kind of practice. I'm going to, you know, treat the vaccine injured, what have you." And you're you're going to see probably a shift of trust to different individuals, uh, people who. Uh, you know, held up their oath, stuck to their oath, and uh, have, have decided to to practice medicine differently. Hmm. Yeah, sometimes I I feel like that, but then like the disillusion part of me, it's like I don't know. Part of me thinks it's just going to keep on trucking, and no one's gonna, no one's if there if there are zero repercussions, why would it realistically change? Too many bodies, uh, too much, uh, too much death, too much destruction. Um, and I can tell you if, uh, you know, I'm sort of of the opinion that if the courts don't wake up, if the medical establishment doesn't wake up and start, uh, you know, holding people accountable, there may come a time when people simply take matters into their own hands. Mm. Right. And, and that's not, uh, you know, that's not something I want to see. Uh, and that's certainly something I don't want to see happen. But um, when there's this much death and injury and destruction, uh, you know, and 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 Dr. Peter McCullough has talked about this uh, as well. Uh, we've, you know, I and I and I agree. We've both been shocked at how the family members of people who've died suddenly, and where you know the shot is is uh, is a suspect, you know, in these deaths. There's just been no sort of outcry, no anger. Uh, it's 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 almost as if like the families are not reacting. You see very very few families who then go on take to social media and start fighting for their loved ones who died. You've got the Martin family in the United States. Their 18 year old daughter uh, Trista Martin took a Pfizer vaccine behind her parents' back because she wanted to go to concerts and she wanted her life back. And a month later, she basically dropped dead. Uh, she collapsed. They took her to the hospital. Her organs shut, started shutting down. No, doctors didn't know what was going on. She died in a couple of days. 
And it was only then, after she died, that the parents had found out from her friends that she went behind their back. She took a, a Pfizer vaccine because she wanted her life back. They are fighting publicly. They're speaking out and they're hammering, you know, big pharma and, and trying to open people's eyes. There's a father in Ontario, uh, Dan Hartman, whose son, Sean, 17 years old, hockey player, again, took a shot, uh, dropped dead in his room about a month later. He's fighting very hard. But when you think of the thousands of young people who've died and you've only got, you can count the families who are fighting for their loved ones, you can, you can count them on one or two hands. Uh, and I've been shocked at, at, at how passively people have accepted the damage and destruction that's been done to their loved ones. And then, and then you start to wonder, like, is this just how history unfolds right like we we can look back 200 years ago and look at like the average working condition and then we look at where we are now and it's like well where did it happen where was the switch to you get weekends off or you get health care or there's a minimum wage or there's osha and we look back and it, it seems neat and concise. And it's like in 1805, if you were 10 years old, you were ready to work at the textile mill. And then it's 2023 and, you know, every corner has a pad on it because OSHA said so. And we just kind of accept it and don't really think about it. But like a lot of a, a lot of things happened in 200 years. A lot of people were, you know, textile mills were ground up to meat. A lot of people fell off skyscrapers in the 30s and 40s. A lot of people flew through non-shatterproof safety glass windshields a lot of people had steering columns go through their chest yeah we might just be watching the granular evolution of an industry and in a hundred years they'll be like oh yeah no the, you know the shot has to go through 15 years of trials and someone might look back and go you guys are forgetting that in like the 2020s like a hundred thousand people just dropped dead from this thing we yeah. might just be watching the granular growing pains and it it seems so massive because we're in it now it might just be that and that's i mean that's a pretty depressing but i think perhaps well, what you're describing i mean what you're describing is a process right yeah. it, it's, it's basically not going to be like one event no it's going to be an ongoing process yeah right and uh but i think it, it's it's well and what what sucks about it is that there are so many people that are being injured and are and are dying oh, yeah. in the process, yeah. during the process, right? Uh, and people who shouldn't be dying. I mean, and again, it, it's like it, as a as a physician, it frustrates me when, like, I was giving experimental shots to end stage cancer patients, and these were, I mean, in comparison to the jabs, you know, these these were safe, but. Um, even then, I was, you know, I had to give like the full informed consent you know, lay out all the risks. And, but again, it was like risk benefit in an end stage cancer patient who was told they have two, three months to live. And I'm going to give you a radiation treatment and maybe you're going to live five years, 10 years, right? Instead of two, three months. And that's what I was doing. But to be giving experimental treatments with a brutal side effect profile, as we know now, to be giving those to young, completely healthy people where they get no benefit and all the risk, Right? Because we know that that young people are simply not affected by COVID-19. Like it, it's it's you know, you can say 99.9% .9 or 99.99% of people do just fine, 
right, uh, with their own immune system uh, when it comes to COVID-19, but to be giving experimental drugs to young, healthy people who didn't need it. And now they're dropping dead with heart attacks and strokes and, and turbo cancers and just dying suddenly. Like that to me is just like, like just how can that still be happening? You know, it's so, it's so, so frustrating. I think we're, and let me, to, to make my point, let me, let me make sure. Let's see, hold on. Okay. Okay, so in World War II, we lost four, I know the first two facts by, off the top of my head, but I need a, oh wow. Was it 15? Okay, yeah, so. In World War II, the United States lost, not not casualties, deaths, 425,000 soldiers, right? That's a lot. Vietnam, 58,000. Roughly one-tenth. It'd be 580, but let's just call it one-tenth. Global War on Terror. And so World War II, what, we were involved for four years? 425,000. Vietnam was roughly twice as long with roughly one-tenth as many deaths. The global war on terror was twice as long as Vietnam, which was twice as long as World War II, and there were 7,000 deaths. So as the wars get longer, the number of, of deaths go down logarithmically. Tell that to someone in Vietnam, and they'd punch you in the face. But as we look at this, it's a long—it's a 70, 80—I mean— 78 years ago today, 78, 78 years and four hours ago, we dropped a, an atomic bomb on Nagasaki. Tell that to someone there, and, you know, they'd rightfully kick you in the nuts. But we are looking at a very slow process of it, for lack of a better word, becoming more humane or more palatable. And there will be another war, and it's, uh, you know, again, yeah, tell that to the 7,000 families that that buried a soldier and they you know say shut up but the number well, i mean are... I, it depends though from which side you're looking at right well, if I you're mean, looking if you at look it at... from the middle east they lost 1.5 million it's exactly yeah. like and, and if you look at like ukraine for example i mean uk ukraine is a meat no, grinder no. oh yeah hundreds that... of thousands of of young young soldiers oh, this there, analogy right? is definitely is not universal i mean the soviets yeah. lost 27 million in world war ii i'm, I'm aware of a my american centric viewpoint if it if that doesn't give it away but um but just even as this as just a in a vacuum uh, uh an analogy or or a met, whatever mm -hmm. the metaphor, i don't know a metaphor allegory i don't remember i hated literature class that's what this is is it's a very slow thing that just might be what we're seeing we're seeing a and it's not that the war was nonstop world war 2 ended 45 we started sending advisors to nam in what 65 then you go 65 to 75, and then that roughly stopped. Sure, you had Desert Storm, Granada, but, I mean, you pretty much stopped for another 26 years, and then Global War on Terror started. So it comes in these spurts and growths. We might be watching a, a shakeup, and then it's just going to kind of go. And the last one before, I don't know. I mean, one was uh, thalidomide. One was the birth control. Was that 50s, 60s? 60s. Yeah, and then I guess what a big one before. I mean, m maybe opioid crisis. I guess that's still ongoing. But you have these things where it, it happens and it unfolds and it's terrible and we won't let this happen again and a politician signs a bill or whatever. 
we might just be watching this like very slow, almost glacial scale of change. And yeah, no, I I I see what you're saying. You get like, and, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying, and especially like in in war, it's kind of evolved in that sense, minimize casualties, and and I think you know you could a- actually add to that we're moving towards drones, right? Yeah. So where you're completely minimizing casualties on your side, right? If we're talking about uh, casualties on your side. Um, where I think this is different is that this is the first time, now you could look at it two ways. You could say, well, this is a, a sort of a biological war in a sense. Maybe we might be in a biological war. We, we're not sure. Right. Yeah, that, that, throws mean, my, that throws my example completely out the window. If this, t- if this counts as bio war, and we lost a million, uh, a million Americans, then this is twice as bad as World War II in and, half the time. And but it, I'm, but, a, but I'm an if idiot. It's a, <laughs> but if it's a biological war, yeah. and I mean, you know, in, and obviously there's a lot of argument around that. Uh, well, who are we at war with, and so on, right? Um, it's it's again, it's something new, yeah. right? It, it's something we we really haven't seen before. Uh, and some people argue that we are in a sort of a biological warfare time now. And we're going to see new pandemics. And, and you know, um, I think uh, Robert Malone talks about, you know, fifth generation mm-hmm. warfare. And and we don't know who the actors are and, and, and who's conducting these wars. And, you know, we might have other pandemics unleashed and so on. Uh, so that's one one way to look at it. Um, and if that's the case, then, you know, we might see the most casualties we'll ever see in a biological war right? scenario. Right. Um, I look at the excess deaths. And, you know, the excess deaths, that's a troubling, that th- those are troubling statistics because, you know, you've got last year, you've got excess deaths in the U.S. of about 300,000. And, you know, you could argue this and that. Um, Ed Dowd, you know, mm-hmm. looks at the, at the U.S. insurance data and, and being, a, you know, a, a Wall Street guy. Yeah, I've, uh, had, and I've numbers, had him on and, here a couple times. And a numbers guy, right? And he, he plainly says, look, if there's if you have any other explanation other than the COVID-19 vaccines, I'd love to hear it yeah. to account for all the disabilities and the deaths. And now we're talking disabilities in the millions. So over a million, I think he said 1.7 million excess disabilities last year. And we're talking excess deaths in the hundreds of thousands in the United States. Right. The estimates vary. It varies anywhere from three to six hundred thousand, depends on how you look at it and so on. Same thing in Canada, you know, excess deaths are in the tens of thousands. So so these are large numbers, right? And if the shot is accounting for even a fraction of these, which I believe it's probably accounting for majority of them, that's my opinion, right? Uh, then we have something brand new on a scale that we've never seen before. Uh, and it's this sort of biological war, uh, you know, you, you could sort of call it. That That's one way. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect is that we've never, um, and this is from a medical medicine aspect, is, you know, we've had all kinds of drugs. We've had all kinds, you know, you can talk about thalidomide, opioids, what have you. Those are drugs. We've never had gene-altering drugs or medications or treatments, mm. something that, that potentially is, is messing with our, with our DNA, right? And, I mean, that's what mRNA is. Now, there's still hot debate about whether the mRNA uh, in these shots is is actually integrating into our uh, DNA and then we're producing spike protein indefinitely. There's a risk of that, that that might be happening in at least a few people. 
Um, then you've got Kevin McKernan, the geneticists in the States who's come out and says, look, there's DNA contamination mm. in these vials. There's these plasmids that have the entire spike protein sequence. It's got some other sequences in there as well that supposedly in the manufacturing of the mRNA actually help the manufacturing process because they put these plasmids into E. coli and then they grow billions of, of E. coli in these vats and then they collect the the plasmids mm-hmm. and then that's how they you know make the mRNA, the process. Sure. And apparently there's all this DNA contamination. Well, the risk there is that DNA, if we're injecting this and we know that it ends up in the bloodstream and it goes systemic, well, now you've got foreign DNA that could much more easily integrate into our own DNA or it could get into the E. coli in our gut, right? So now we could have E. coli in our gut with plasmids that they took in that have the spike protein sequence, right? So it's like, like there's all these possibilities of 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 us and 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 having our genetics altered in in some way, right? And and so that's something we've never dealt with before either. And these are huge risks that we know that Pfizer and Moderna didn't study because they say it in their documents and all their approval documents. They never studied genotoxicity for these uh, mRNA shots. They never studied carcinogenicity because they said, look, uh, there's just no conceivable way that the mRNA could be doing this. So we just didn't study it. And it all got approved, right? Because there was just so much money to be made. So I think, you know, you bring up an interesting, and I think you're right about the evolution of, of conventional war. Uh, we may be dealing with something brand new here, though. Yeah, which completely flips my argument upside down and shoots it in the back of the head. <laughs> like, if, if it turns out this is war, my point couldn't be, what's that line from Billy Madison where it's like, you are not only are you incorrect, but everyone in the room is dumber for you talking. Like, my point could be so, it I might be so wrong. It's impressive that I couldn't be more wrong, right? It's because it would have been it would have been even shorter than World War Two, and he killed even more people. So, you know, that's also a case. But and then, but then you gotta like if we're just going down this road, then you gotta like some things. Just you wonder like, are they trying to like spike it with misinformation when you? see people that are like yeah there's also monkey aids in the shot or they're like we zoomed in and we found self-assembling nanotech from a classified darpa and i'm like well one if that is true then you know we're in hell and world war three has started yeah another part of me thinks that i'm like are, are you just spiking a story so kind of back to the doctor thing tell them that weed will make them go crazy so they don't touch anything do you start pushing out stories so they go, oh, anyone that criticizes these shots is a conspiracy theory? I mean, some of the some of that stuff, like, and may, again, maybe I'm laughably wrong, but some of that makes me raise my eyebrow when they're like, there's there's snake venom and 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 nanobots in the shots, and I'm like, well, who's really saying that? Like, yeah. some of that stuff's insane, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, this is the difficulty that that I run into, is that I also have to, you know, kind of look at all this because we're basically we we've got so much information yeah that it's 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 hard to sort of weed out you know what's legit what's not and 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 you're right it's very easy to basically uh you know put the turd in the punch bowl so to speak right yeah. where you basically you know put something in and it kind of poisons the whole thing yeah right or poisons the discussion on the whole area Right. And and so it's like, well, in this whole, you know, 5G and self-assembling nanotechnology, 
And it's like, you know, I see the, these pictures and I see something, you know, with uh, corners that supposedly is assembling and what have you. I don't know. I don't know what that stuff is. Right. And so I try to keep an open mind. At the same time, I have to stay grounded. Right. I mean, as a as a physician, uh, I kind of try to stay grounded with what I can prove uh, or what I think that there's, you know, a lot of evidence for. And even, you know, in medicine, you know, you have doctors who look at what I'm talking about and reporting. And they'll say, well, he's completely crazy, right? Uh, mRNA is safe and effective. It, it could never cause cancer. It could it could never uh, do this or that. Or myocarditis is mild and rare. You know, you get a little bit of uh, inflammation of the heart and, and you know, it goes away after a few days and you're fine, right? And so so there's there's obviously different levels to the information and whether it's believable or not and how much evidence there is to support it. Um, and it's, it's, it's hard. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's hard to weed out, you know, what's real, what's not, what's true and what's not. And that's the difficulty I face, even just in medicine and the plain stuff like the heart attacks, you know, the strokes, the myocarditis that are literally happening in front of people's eyes. Yeah. Right. And you try to say, look, there may be an association. Let's do the autopsies. Let's stain for the spike protein. We can actually figure out. You stain for the spike protein and you stain for another protein in the virus. If both are present, it's COVID, it's long COVID, boom, you've just uh, solved the mystery. Long COVID is causing all these heart attacks, strokes, turbo cancers, right? And that's what you know the medical establishment would, would love to see, prove it that it's long COVID. And I would be all for that. Let's prove it, right? If you do the staining and you got the spike protein and you have no other viral proteins, it's the vaccine because the vaccine only has the spike protein. It's got no other components of the virus. If you take a dead person's, uh, you know, tissues and you're only getting the spike protein staining in the heart, in the brain, then it's the vaccine. Sorry, but it's the vaccine that's causing the death, not long COVID, right? This can be done. They're not doing it. They're, 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 the, the medical establishment is deliberately not doing any of this kind of testing uh, because they don't want the association made. Yeah, it's I, like I don't, you know, part of me just has this like childish view of like we're gonna find out one day, and you know I told you so. But like this November is the 60th anniversary of JFK getting popped, and we no one's still quite certain who it is. Yeah, like, yeah. So, like, it might be like, a no, man, you're going to your grave not knowing. The idea yeah. of the truth is going to, like, this isn't a movie. It doesn't have to wrap up in three hours. There's no, you know, there was no, there was no focus group. They didn't look at the plot and plug up all the holes. Like, what's that quote? The universe is under no obligation to make sense. Yeah. It, like, <laughs> the idea that, like, we're going to find out who released it and who, probably not, man. I might be 80, and they'll be like, Tommy, you did a podcast way back in the day. What do you think now? And I'll be like, I'm just as confused as ever. I don't I have no idea. I have no you know, idea. This is, a, this, is, this is the same concept <laughs> you're just bringing up. This is the same concept in the stock markets when something crazy is going on. And the saying goes, the markets can stay irrational longer than you can remain solvent. <laughs> <laughs> right and so it's like it, it, it was like the movie the big short i don't know yeah. if, you, if you saw the movie right Not, but no, it's but like I'm they're betting it, yeah. they're betting on the housing crisis and the market collapsing and it just wouldn't collapse 
right? And they're getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and everyone thinks they're crazy. And they're like, we're right, but it's like, it's taking way longer, for example, for people to realize what was going on than it actually should. And we got the same problem here. I think it, it's like, we're, we're almost three years in to the vaccine rollout and we don't even have like the basic, uh, even some of the basic concepts are still being like, like completely denied. Yeah. Right. In terms of safety, efficacy and all that stuff. Yeah. Right? So this could be a long, ugly grinding process. And, um, you know, I always say like, I'm like, would I rather, you know, be willfully blind and be collecting my, you know, big paychecks and be pushing the vaccine and have taken the vaccine and given it to my kids? Or would I be rather, you know, jobless, uh, unemployed, my license stripped from me, my reputation completely destroyed, my colleagues not talking to me? but be on this side of things and, you know, be awake and have protected my family from the shots and trying to wake other people up from the shots. What's what side would I want to be on? Right. It's like it's like Cypher from the Matrix. He yeah. wants to be plugged back in. He wants yeah. to be enjoying his uh, stake and be a millionaire. And he doesn't want to live in, in the real world. Right. But I would rather be on this side of things than be sort of, you know, blind and, you know, be on the other side. If pushing the shots, right. If being willfully ignorant didn't hurt anyone else, just being like completely realistic, like I've been doing this show since December 2019, I got banned from YouTube in August 2021, essentially had to rebuild the entire thing on Rumble, and you know, I'm very proud of it, I'm proud of the interviews I've done, I'm proud of kind of standing up and, you know, if I, if I think something's wrong, you know, I've lost most of if not really all except like three of my friends because they think yeah. i'm an anti-vaxxer it's you know but looking at data and talking to doctors and being like something's wrong and on one hand i'm like very proud of that mm -hmm. and because people will be hurt even if the amount of, that i'm doing is is tiny you know doing this there's seventeen thousand subscribers i'm not i'm not joe rogan the fact that if I don't, it is on my conscience that maybe one person saw one of my shows and decided not to get this shot. And because of that, you know, maybe they didn't drop that. In 2014, I lost a brother to suicide. I know what immediate death in a family does. I'm still dealing. It's nine years later. It's still part of my daily life, right? If I can help like one th then I then I know I've done the right thing now just being completely pragmatic and red pilled maybe even black pilled if this wasn't hurting anyone I don't know how in what universe that would be possible but let's just say somehow this shot isn't hurting let's just say it's saline honestly if I could go back I'd I'd, I'd probably just shut up and just grow my show but that's not the case. People are getting hurt. If if this whole thing wasn't about vaccines, but instead about buying like Beanie Babies or Pokemon cards, yeah, I'd go back and just push it and just be like, you know what, I'm gonna make my money, whatever. But I, I, I wish I was soulless. <laughs> like I wish, I wish I could have a lobotomy. I wish I could remove that internal monologue that says, hey, that was the wrong thing to do. It would yeah. be easier, but I can't. And so I'm with you. I, I'd rather be on this side. It's just can you imagine? Can you imagine 
what these doctors are now faced with. Now, imagine like you were like, you know, your typical doctor and you meant well, because I, I think actually a lot of these doctors probably yeah. meant well. Right. They just, you know, they didn't have time and they're like, look, someone else must have looked at it and said it's safe and effective. Yeah, it's it's got to be safe. and effective. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're busy. I mean, we're like when I when I had a full practice, I was seeing like a dozen cancer patients a day. Very complicated. Like I would come home at like 6 or 7 p.m. I would collapse on the couch and like pass out, not even have dinner, not have time to play with my kids and like fall asleep. Right. Yeah. That was my routine when I when I had a full, busy sort of cancer clinic practice. Um, so, you know, can you imagine what these doctors are going to be faced with now that they were kind of like, you know, for two, two years, they bought into the narrative. They took the shots. They took like four shots. They gave the shots to all their kids, family members, all their friends, whatever. And, you know, they, they kept making good money. They've got a few million in the bank account. Uh, you know, their, their mortgage is paid. They're, they're, they're doing great. And then suddenly they start noticing, you know, their patients are dropping dead or they're developing cancers or someone in their family drops dead and they start putting two and two together. They start looking at, but maybe they see your, you know, maybe they see your podcast. Maybe they see my interviews somewhere else. Maybe they see Dr. McCullough speaking about something. And they're like, holy cow, like what the heck is going on? Imagine like they start getting hit with that realization of, mm. like you said, people are getting hurt. This is not just like, oopsie, you know, I made a bad recommendation. You know, you got a you got a vaccine that didn't work. Like like, let's say the flu shots, right? Yeah. You take a flu shot, probably doesn't work. Yeah. Might even make you a bit sick. Um, the only flu shot I ever took actually made me extremely sick. Uh, annual flu shots, right? I've so but imagine now they come to the realization that like they have harmed somebody with their advice, with their ignorance. And it's their patients who trusted them. It could be their kids. It could be their family members, cousins, aunts, uncles. Like imagine the 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 mentally the the realization that you've done harm, and people trusted you. Like people, like I, I don't care about the politicians, right? The politicians are politicians. We know most of them are they're, sleazy. They're corrupt. demons from hell. Whatever. There you go. And and the thing <laughs> is. We know, right? Like, yeah. we know politicians are politicians. Yeah. They're not scientists. They're not doctors. They don't have this background. They don't understand this stuff, right? They get a narrative, you know, whatever. But doctors know better or should know better, right? And I think doctors are going to be faced with a very hard reality that they caused harm. And then the question is, how do you deal with it? And at that point, it's like, you're like, okay, do you stay silent? And do you keep causing harm? Like, cause I've seen so few doctors that have come out and said, you know what? I messed up. I effed up. I made a big mistake. I was pushing these shots. I'm sorry. I'm going to do better. You know, I'm going to now. And, and there are people like that. There's Dr. Asim Malhotra, the UK mm -hmm. cardiologist who supported and pushed the shots in the beginning. Then his father died. And then he came to the realization. He looked at the data again. He reviewed the clinical trials and he's like, oh my God, these things are horrible these things should never be on the market and now he's basically uh you know fighting to get them off the market mm. but you can literally count those people on like one hand who've come to some kind of a realization and said no i made a mistake and i'm going to own up to it and take responsibility and it's just i don't know how these doctors are dealing with it psychologically the mm. realization what what they've done yeah and like <clears throat> the people that do change positions 
that's fine. Like that's all right. Yeah, man. You you know that's life. Like you yeah. ever, you know, you ever, you ever got in like an argument with a friend or something, been too drunk, and like the next day, and you know someone else tells you what you did. In the first part of the ego is like, no, I wasn't wrong. And then finally you got to like call your friend. You're like, hey, man, I did not realize how drunk I was last night. I'm an asshole. I'm sorry. And if your friend is a normal human being, they'll probably go, I've been there too, dude. It's all right. Right? I mean, listen, we all make mistakes. It's a humbling feeling. Everyone makes the mistakes. But it's cathartic. I think there's something. If you know it's bad and you keep doing it. Either either you're a psychopath and you feel no way about it. Or you're a coward. Or you're a coward and you're going to... Man, you got to... I would hate to be that person alone in their head. Alone in I the think, shower. Alone at night. What is I it? Think we're, I think we're there. I think we're getting there. What is, I, what? Think that I, I think there's a, there's a group of doctors. There's a percentage of them. I don't know what it is. Uh, 10, 15, 20% who are awaking... Like, who are waking up and and realizing what what's happened and what what mm. this is all about, right? Yeah. And how people have been harmed, right? Yeah. And then and and like you said, it's a process. So as time goes by, more people are going to wake up. And I don't know how these doctors and scientists. I don't know how they're going to deal with it. Um, I honestly don't know. Bottle of alcohol, you'll probably see suicide. Yeah. I mean just probably see something like that just total dissociation you know i was just following autos right that you know that famous line well look at what happened i mean to germany well yeah i mean you know germans i mean to this day i think on some level they are still living they're still psychically wounded they're still living the guilt yeah of what they supported during world war ii yeah i mean they put hitler into power it wasn't like he was democratically elected yeah it wasn't a coup d'etat. It wasn't, uh, you know, invasion from somewhere else. I mean, they kept electing this guy, right? I mean, he had the support he of did the majority burn. of the people. He did burn down the beer hall. The Reichstag yeah. fight. He... Yeah, but but, but again, yeah, it's yeah. and and look at the like, but look at the guilt, right? Yeah. That they've carried for decades yeah. afterwards. Yeah, and the difference between like the Nazi high command the ones who know what they did. I mean, there are so many of them that still, even right before they were hung, were like Heil Hitler. They're they're done. <laughs> those, those are demons. Those are demons from hell in the form of a human. Yeah. Well, we have them. We have them all over medicine, right? We've got them in medicine. We've got them in, in science. These people who are just like unapologetically just... Yeah. They must know on some level there's something wrong, and they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Then there, there's a... <laughs> There's some videos of, um, I think, German soldiers being forced to watch videos of the liberation of the camps. And not not like the SS or the SA, but actual Wehrmacht soldiers. Just the, the poor 18-year-old grunts on the front line. The videos of them having to watch. Yeah, there's like videos pointed at them, and they're watching a projector of, you know, the, the Allies opening the gates of Auschwitz and finding the piles of bodies. And then there's another, it's a man, it's a dark video, but there's another uh, video you can find on YouTube where it's, they're taking all the townspeople that were, you know, within like a mile or two of Dachau and they're just 
I mean, like old women and stuff. And it's just American GIs, kind of at gunpoint, making them just walk through Auschwitz. And there's a table of of one of the skin lamps, and some of like the the removed shriveled heads, like Mengele's experiments. And you just see the people walking through, and like they all they walk through, and it's pretty much universal. Then they just they all double over and just vomit. Like it's something like that, man. Yeah, it's yeah. It will all karma will it does balance out, not necessarily in our lifetimes, but the truth just will be. It will come out. It will manifest. The tax man's coming. And, um, you know, I guess I'm just kind of like what you said. I'm, I'm okay with where I am. I, I I can look back when this is all over. And if someone asks me in 50 years, like, what did you do during that? Well, I can point to my podcast and be like, I lost just about every financial opportunity and most of my friends, (laughs) but, but I think I did the right thing. So I think that's really all we can do. I'm I'm in the same boat. I'm I you know massive. I took massive hits, you know, uh, financially, my friends, family, what have you. Like like losses everywhere. I'm unemployable. Job opportunities, career down the toilet. Cancer research. I can't do cancer research anymore. Can't treat cancer patients. Can't diagnose cancer patients. Like like it's. I've lost a lot, but I'm perfectly uh, happy where I'm at right now. Yeah. And doing what I'm doing, I, I just I wouldn't, I wouldn't be anywhere else. I wouldn't be doing anything else. Yeah. So, and I think, and I think a lot of people are going to be kind of faced with that decision. Uh, ultimately, who do they who do they want to be, and uh, can they live with who they are and what they're doing? Right. I think a lot of people will be facing very difficult decisions. I'm happy that I'm actually don't have to face that decision. Right. Like that. Th- those decisions have been made earlier in the pandemic um and you know like i said i'm I'm happy where i'm at i've got a great you know family supportive family uh i've got enough to put food on the table uh but the people who are facing those decisions right now man those are going to be uh those are going to be difficult difficult decisions there's an invaluable piece i'm i'm a chronically anxious person but man i i like i can I can lay down at bed and lay down in bed at night and there's no, what was it? What was the poem? Was it the Raven by Edgar Allan Poe? I remember we had to read that in like middle school or something. It's like a guy that killed someone and he's like hearing a Raven or like something like knocking. You know what I'm talking about? I've, I've, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. it's just like, I forget what it is. He's, he's going crazy or something, but it's like he had done something. Either he murdered someone. I don't remember what it is, but it's just this like constant, knocking knocking knock driving him crazy and you know what maybe maybe my podcast could be a thousand times bigger if i was pushing pfizer shots but i don't have the knocking i just yeah i have a lot of mean texts and a lot of mean emails <laughs> telling me i'm an anti-vaxxer <laughs> nazi misogynist the hate, the hate <laughs> yeah that's i mean that but that's you know, whatever that's I'm, I'm so immune those words have lost all meaning they're like you're a racist yeah. nazis i'm like i get it yeah i did 9-11 too whatever but like there's a piece in there and i can you know i'm i'm proud of myself and i i, I know what i did 
And I think that's yeah. maybe really all you can ask for. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I look at some of my colleagues, like, you know, some of the doctors that ended up dying suddenly, right? And there was one, there was a cardiologist, 52-year-old guy in New Brunswick, Dr. Sohrab Luchmedial. Very successful guy. Probably had a few million dollars in the bank. Ooh. Like one of the most successful cardiologists. Um, and he would put out stuff on, on Twitter like, you know, I, I want to punch anti-vaxxers in the face. And if they drop dead, I'm not going to cry at their funeral and this kind of stuff. And and he made these posts maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two before he died suddenly. Um, and he took the booster shot. And two weeks later, he died in his sleep. And I'm thinking, like, basically devastated family, mm. right? Kids don't have their dad anymore. And you think, like, I mean, unfortunately, you know, he never got a, he never got a second chance. He never got a chance to wake up. Mm. Right. He never got a chance to sort of even go through that decision making process of maybe he wants to do things differently. Right. Uh, he just never got that chance. He, you know, he he made good money. Uh, he was well off, highly respected right to the very end. Super highly respected, amazing job. Took the shots, died in his sleep. Right. And then you think like, well. And there's a lot that this is not a one-off. There, there, there's a lot of stories like that where, um, you know, the people who pushed the shots ended up dying suddenly. And they had everything. They had they, they didn't lose everything. They didn't lose their friends. They didn't lose their families. They had all the money they could have wanted. Um, and yet they're dead. And their families are now picking up the pieces of, of, of their lives, you know, and they don't have their father, mother, what have you. Right. So it's it's tragic. You know, it's 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 tragic when when a person doesn't even get a chance to realize that maybe they're doing something wrong or that maybe what whatever they're involved in is wrong. Right. Uh, and I and I and I sincerely hope that that people do get that chance. Right. To 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 have their eyes opened and then, you know, make the decision. Do you want to stay silent? Do you want to keep injecting people because it's good for your bank account even if they're dropping dead uh in your clinic or do you do you want to be a different person do you want to be uh you know do you want to do things differently um so i hope people actually get that chance to to wake up and and and, and make those choices and hopefully make the right choice yeah and everyone deserves a a second chance i mean yep. you know th this this podcast could have you know played out even just somewhat differently and maybe I never met a doctor who wanted to talk about this that or the other thing and maybe I'd be three years in saying how come these anti-vaxxers just won't take the shot like so I have to remain empathetic like you know who I I, I work very hard but I mean who knows how many things have just fallen into my lap you know yeah. I could very well be a guy going Man, I did 200 episodes telling people to get the shot. I ridiculed people. I made fun of them. Like, and I would want people to give me a second chance to say, well, you know, X, Y, and Z happened, and there's a trillion variables in life. And, you know, maybe once presented with the facts, Tommy did change his. You know, maybe uh, is it Mahatra? Asim Mahatra? Is that yep. his name? Mahatra? I always forget his name. That could have just as easily been me, right? Or just could have been any, been any one of us. Could have been any one of us. And 
And I always, uh, you know, when people have these rea strong reactions, right? Let's say when a police officer dies suddenly and they're like, well, good. He was enforcing vaccine mandates. Well, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, right? Or same with the doctors. Good. That's an one less doctor to inject. And, and I hate, I hate those reactions. I know where, I know where that anger is coming sure. from. I don't agree with that because, um, like I said, I, I do believe that everyone deserves a second chance. And, and uh, you know, it's not it's not for me to judge their life circumstances. Yeah. Uh, like you said, you know, we we came up, we came on this path for various reasons. Maybe we were fortunate. Right. Maybe we were lucky. Uh, you know, who knows? But uh, I think empathy is going to be key. Uh, you I, I, I think we, we cannot judge those who didn't come to the same path. And, and I, like you said, I, I do believe everyone deserves a second chance uh to do the right thing right yeah. and then of course if they're willingly and knowingly you know doing the wrong thing that's that's a separate that's a separate sure. issue those people should be prosecuted and, and and properly and so on sure absolutely. but i think we're going to see a lot of that i think uh a lot of people are going to start waking up and realize what they did and, and the role that they played in in this whole thing right i mean there were a lot of people who supported vaccine passports yeah and who were laughing at people who couldn't go to restaurants yeah like myself or who couldn't take their kids swimming couldn't yeah. enter the rec center and i had to tell my kids listen you guys know where the change rooms are just go and you know you'll be fine because i couldn't step foot into the building because uh you know didn't have the required number of jabs yeah. right so yeah empathy is going to be a big big thing and then to, I guess we'll maybe wrap it up with this is, you know, what are you and I in a, in a blind spot of right now? Not even with medicine. It's like using a camera and an iMac. These are made with rare earth minerals. I, I loosely am aware of the injustices of child mines in South Africa, getting the cobalt and the was it like lanthanide and, and all the other rare earth minerals used for it? Am I a slave driver? Am I making this? No. Should I probably look into that more? Is there a more ethical way to get some of this machinery? And it sounds silly kind of saying, you're like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Where else would I get this camera? But you have to put yourself in those shoes, right? If, if right if you're some kid right now in an african mine you're you're digging up uh cobalt you might be looking at us and going man those jerks doing that podcast they are willingly killing me and my friends versus you and i are just we're like loosely like like is it from the i don't even know maybe this is ethically made i have no idea you have to understand that maybe the person you hate is as completely out of the loop as I am about the origin of the, you know, the sensor in this Nikon. I don't even Sony. I don't even know what camera it is. Like, you know, it, I might be that completely oblivious to yeah, something and I, else. Yeah, and I, and you know, I mean, there's always. I think that comes down to there's always room for uh, self improvement and yeah. and sort of questioning. You know, what what you're doing is is it right? And and people are not doing that. I think. Uh, you know, especially when it comes to this COVID thing. And again, I come back to the doctors. Uh, I'm like, are you guys not even questioning like the shots? You're not questioning the shots. You're not questioning even just the the whole like 
uh, loss of bodily autonomy, the loss of informed consent. Are you not questioning any of these things? Like, and I think there's just people don't uh, reflect, right? That's basically what you're referring to is is self reflection, right? Uh, and there's just uh, so little of that going on. If there was more self reflection, maybe we wouldn't be in the mess that we are right now, right? So, I mean, I agree with you. I think I think everyone should be self reflecting. And, and questioning things, uh, the things that you believe in so wholeheartedly, right? Well, is it really? Because some of these people, they believe the shots completely. Like they believe they're like, I've looked, I've, I've done the research, I've, I've, I've listened to the authorities, and I believe these shots are 100% safe and effective, and you're a racist, misogynist, uh, complete, you know, lunatic anti-vaxxer. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm sitting here thinking I probably had more vaccines than you've had. Yeah. Right. Being in medicine, I've taken a, probably a lot more shots than you have. But here you are calling me, a, you know, an anti-vaxxer and a lunatic. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if everyone did that, the, the self-reflection, I think would be would be in a much, much better place. And then there's like. Just the kind of just a side note, the, the total dike, I don't know how people hold these two views in their head at the same time where I will be yelled at as an anti-vaxxer. But then, because I've, I've had on Dr. Malone like 30 times, I'll have on Dr. Malone, and in the same breath, they'll say that I am, I have a CIA handler, and I have him on to disseminate pro-regime propaganda. I'm like, which one is it? <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> am I the, I can't, you can't call Dick Cheney both a pacifist and a warmonger, <laughs> right? He, yeah, he's yeah. a pacifist. He won't defend this country. He also killed a million brown kids in Iraq. Like, which one? You got you to gotta make up your mind. You got to make up your mind. But apparently I'm both. So, But, you know, I mean, but that's, you know, people who sort of don't, don't think about these things too much in depth, right? Yeah. And then you realize you're like, oh, there's not a whole lot going on in their head. It's just, it's just kind of buzzwords. Racist, yeah. misogynist, Hitler. I'm like, all right, thank you, thank you. And then, yeah, people are always commenting, like, negative stuff or disliking my videos. And I always tell them, you know, in terms of how the Rumble algorithm works, all engagement is <laughs> is, is way the same. So if you comment this show sucks, that is just as good as a comment as this show's great. It's helping me nonetheless. So I guess yeah. for the people that hate watch me, keep doing it you're putting money in my bank thank you um but yeah man. i think you know, it's, it's just part it's it's just it comes with the territory right i mean this is i i deal with the kind of like hate mail and death threats and people wishing death upon me right yeah. you know they're like you, you know you're i mean i had keith olbermann telling me i'm gonna burn in hell interesting right like i, I had keith olbermann reply to one of my posts and he said you're gonna burn in hell this that's pretty right? impressive man <laughs> okay wow that's 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 a trophy you should put that i guess on, yeah, yeah I, I should i should frame that one <laughs> yeah I, I haven't gotten any comments like that that's pretty impressive i, I would like i would like one like so i that. must be i must be doing something right yeah yeah man <laughs> to have him tell you you're gonna burn in hell that's that's something <laughs> should you pat yourself on the back i've got yeah. i've gotten some comments from some semi-famous people but i haven't gotten anything like that i i would I really want to get blocked by Dr. Fauci. Some people I've had on the show have been blocked by Dr. Fauci on Twitter or Dr. Hotez. I haven't been able to get blocked yet, so kind of upset about that. Oh, Hotez but, has blocked me, yeah. I'm yes. so jealous. I can't get him to block <laughs> me. I'm, I, 
I just gotta work harder. You know, maybe one day I will. I will. You, you gotta do more anti-vax stuff. You yeah. gotta. <laughs> Damn it! I know. Crap. Well, <laughs> Doctor Mackis, let's wrap this. Matt, excuse me. Let's wrap this one up, man. Thank you for coming yeah. on here. That was great, guys. Go into the description. I think I have a link to your thing on the the wellness company, as well as I don't know. I have all your links in the description. Thank you Sounds so good. much. People man. can find me on Twitter, MacusMD, and Substack, MacusMD.substack.com. I think I have those. Let me make sure. I think I have those in there. Let's see. I have your Substack. I don't have your Twitter. Let me find your Twitter right now, just so I don't forget to do it. What's the Twitter? At MacusMD. MacusMD. There we go. All right. I'll put that. I'll copy and paste that into the description right now. And yeah, your wellness company thingy is in there. And uh, yeah, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your patience with the uh, the shaky start. And uh, yeah, if you ever want to, dude, I'd love to have you on again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks. It was a pleasure. All right, dude. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Recording much love, everybody. Peace.